Hi there, and welcome to episode 39 of the T21 Mum podcast, another isolation episode. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome, and I'm living life my way. And as usual, my friend and co-host Ron is here with me, but at his studio. Hey, Ron. Yes, we have become so successful. We now have two studios. (laughs) I'll learn how to do it eventually, Ron. (laughs) What? So you're going to do it all on your own and kick me to the curb? Is that the whole idea? Never, never. Because remember, (laughs) this was all your idea. Yes, it's always all my ideas. And you're not the only one that says that. (laughs) you were the one that got me into this yes whatever that's right uh so you and Ainsley are doing okay we're doing okay there's been some rough days but we're doing we're doing okay okay good (laughs) good so today's show um we have a you're talking to a woman who reached out after to you after a previous episode that's right. Uh, Teresa Understall, she reached out to me after the Dr. Susan Fawcett episode about the uh, challenges of the dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. And she has just released a book. And we're going to talk about that today. Okay. So uh, what you talked to her a couple of days back, of course, because yeah. you, know, mm-hmm. you and I are chatting today. But uh, And did you talk on Mother's Day? Yes, we did. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's go and have a conversation uh, to uh, listen to your conversation with Teresa. Okay, let's go. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I'm so looking forward to today's guest. Teresa Annerstahl has just released a new book called A New Course, A Mother's Journey Navigating Down Syndrome and Autism, which we are going to talk about today. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm so glad that you were able to come on. So this is pretty exciting to have a book. You've just released your book on May 5th. So congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) So before we get into the book, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, I am Teresa and my, I have two boys. Mm -hmm. One is, uh, Hank is 28 and Nick is 26. Nick has, has a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. Mm-hmm. And I uh, live, live here in Chicago with my husband, Al, and uh, Nick still lives with us. And my older son's in the city, adulting, doing his thing. Doing his thing, yeah. <laughs> and so you said, Nick, he's what, 26? 26, yes. 26. Did he just have a birthday? He had a birthday in February. Okay, I don't know. I thought I saw something on your Facebook, but maybe... I can't remember what it was. So I thought he just had a birthday. So my apologies. So everything's a little crazy these days with everything going on, as I'm sure you know. So, you know, I have I was able to get a, an uh, early copy of your book and, you know, I'm, and I'm reading through it and I, I finally get to the part where you learn about that Nick uh, has autism. And I could totally feel how you felt during that time. Like I, I felt 
that's exactly those feelings. Like the experiences were very similar to mine when Ainsley had her diagnosis. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that all happened with Nick. But what made you want to write this book? I just felt very alone at the time. Mm-hmm. Really, really just like I was dealing with a lot more than and, and things I didn't want to talk about. And and. I was searching for a book to to help me and there wasn't one out there. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to start writing my story so, you know, I can make other families feel like they're not they're not as alone. And, and you know, mm-hmm. you kind of commiserate that way. Yeah. Maybe help help some others coming down the pike. Yeah. Like yourself, like yourself. Oh, totally. Yes. Because, yes, I did feel very alone when I got that diagnosis because, I think I only knew about one other family at the time, like that was from our playgroup who, whose child also had the dual diagnosis. So, and it, and it's really scary, you know, because like you said, there really isn't a lot out there. And, um, that I, that I have found that deals with the dual diagnosis. I mean, there seems to be a lot of stuff about down syndrome, but not so much about down syndrome and autism. Like I only found the one book, I think it's called when Down syndrome and autism intersect, which I've barely even opened. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's old. So I, I don't know how applicable it even is now. But, um, you know, so I think, you know, it's awesome that we've got some more information like your book that's come out. And just, but just from talking to other parents and even just doing this podcast, I, you know, I found that there's just such a need for more information on this dual diagnosis. And so, and I know in previous podcasts, we've talked about like the challenges of diagnosing with this, the dual diagnosis in our kiddos. Um, and how old was Nick when he finally got his diagnosis? We lived in California uh, before this, and sh- we're in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. So in California, he was about five years old, and I was starting to notice some things that seemed you know, a little extra, if you will. Mm-hmm. So we had we did an evaluation at that time, and he did not fit the spectrum. The, the, it was a very simple evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking late 90s. And okay. they uh, said that he was highly social. He made good eye contact. Mm-hmm. And and that, you know, some of those areas kind of kind of get blurred. I know in the podcast, I believe it was with Su- Dr. Susan Fawcett. Correct. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, certainly I could relate to those, you know, gray flags, you know, the red flags and, and whatnot. So moving forward, got to about age 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and which is puberty, by the way, puberty's yeah. oh. of all the, of all the, yeah, of all the milestones that our kids are delayed in puberty seemed to be the one that was, was early actually. I've heard that too. And it terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we went ahead and revisited and did another evaluation and he was put on the spectrum and I suspected it by then, you know, there was just too many behaviors and speech Mm -hmm. deficits that were really glaring Mm -hmm. at that time Mm -hmm. yeah and that's and I know like Dr. Susan uh, Fawcett like that's one of the things she talks about is that our kids are social and they do tend to have decent eye contact even with the dual diagnosis and you can't just go on those two things to say that they don't have autism and I see that repeatedly in various Down syndrome groups on Facebook and you probably have too that people say well like you know because maybe their child has some autistic like behaviors maybe some stimming or something but they go oh but they make good eye contact or they're really social so they think 
oh, their child's okay. You know, and I kind of thought the same with Ainsley too. So, but as Dr. Susan said, it's kind of like a myth. And, you know, and Nick was so, so how old was he about then? Sorry, 11, you said, right? 11, 11, yes. 11. And, you, you know, I know you mentioned in the book that the people involved in like Nick's schooling at the time didn't really say anything because I know you kind of um, confronted them, <laughs> if you want to use that word, <laughs> um, about like, did they feel that he had autism? And then they just said they thought he could get the necessary services just with his diagnosis of Down syndrome. But do you think there was more to it than than just that? I mean, there, you did write a bit more about it in the book, but do you want to share about that? Because I'm sure other people have run into the similar situation. Absolutely. You got to think back in 2005, the cases of, uh, of uh, autism in general were lower than they mm-hmm. are today. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think teachers were necessarily looking for that. I think they definitely suspected it, but the school district was like, well, I got the feeling from, um, I definitely got the feeling that they didn't want to pay for the evaluation. <laughs> and so, well, we can provide the services, whatnot. And at that point, we're like, you know what? We're going to go out on our own and mm-hmm. get that evaluation, which was much more extensive, you know, five, six years later. Mm-hmm. And literally went back, uh, re- requested an IEP meeting. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had the report. And I'm like, here's the report. And they're all clamoring to get it. And I'm like, uh, where's my three thousand dollars? Because it's expensive. I, <laughs> I got, love I got that. their attention. Yeah, I read that. I go, I love that. I go, go, girl. You've, you know, you've got some. You know, I thought that was awesome. So I thought, wow, she did that. I don't know if I'd be that brave to do it, but uh, I think that's awesome. So, wow. And so, once you got the diagnosis, so what was their reaction? Like the school, who had kind of, sort of, maybe kind of shoved it under the carpet a little bit. Yes, I, he was, again, this is puberty. So Mm -hmm. he he was, he he was struggling. Um, He was throwing things and, and, you know, having some violent behaviors that were, you know, were were really dangerous. And, Mm -hmm. and so I just said, you know, look, he's trashing your guys offices and classrooms. And this is more than Down syndrome. We need to get somebody else in here because this is not right. I have to say, I, I really, came out of my shell as a, as a mother and just was like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because before, before this, I think I was blaming a lot of what he was doing. Like I wasn't doing enough, but mm-hmm. it wasn't me not doing enough. It was the fact that he had this additional diagnosis and, you know, I didn't understand it. The school didn't understand it. So that's when uh, we agreed to get the uh, school district's behavior specialist in to do an evaluation and, and really tackle what I call the big three. So um, at that meeting, just that literally that report was a golden ticket to get the services for, to d- address the speech mm-hmm. and, and communication component, which was lacking because mm-hmm. those behaviors were his way of saying, I'm frustrated. I don't want to do this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to throw something or I'm going to have a, you know, <laughs> have a meltdown if you yeah. will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we re-looked at the speech component and realized they weren't doing the PECS, the picture exchange system correctly. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't either. So we got all got retrained on that mm-hmm. and really, really effective. Once he, that was, the, the pictures became his voice and still, still is his voice in many ways. 
Uh, so big three, got speech. And then the second component that I write about is the behavior component and mm-hmm. just looking around the environment and going, what, what, what are Nick's triggers and what can we do to put in place to make this better? Mm-hmm. What target, what target behaviors can we use to, to make his strengths really soar? And then the third is the sensory component because having an individual with autism really, they can get kind of caught up in their own flapping, stimming, mm-hmm. and and that really pulls away from them being connected in the world yeah. and also just working, getting something done in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, it's fantastic. So, you know, when Ainsley got her diagnosis, like you said, back when Nick got his diagnosis, it wasn't as common and probably even le- even more rare with kids with a dual diagnosis because I don't know when, but I think it was even just fairly recently they didn't think that kids could have a dual diagnosis, which when you think about it seems kind of crazy. But, um, you know, and I personally, I felt like, you know, when we talked about it, I felt like so kind of gutted because the experience was so terrible with the doctor and alone and, and it just felt so overwhelming. You know, can you share a little bit about your experience, like when you got it, like, did you feel like a sense of release, you know, frustration, sadness, or, or what, like, what did you feel when you got that? Like, or was it just like, yeah, I kind of knew or. Exactly. That the real, the relief Mm -hmm. I knew, but I, I just needed to have that piece of paper to say, this is more than down syndrome. So it was initially that. Now I will say that shortly thereafter, I, I write how I write about it is I kind of went into my own self-imposed cocoon where mm-hmm. I was just, I, I just, you know, I got up, I still taught my fitness classes. I, you know, did everything that, that a mom does and yeah. more, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Yeah. but then there were these times when I've just, and it's winter here in Chicago and I just pull up in a blanket and just almost, I don't want to say a fetal position, but in a way it was, you know, mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I needed to allow myself some time to, to grieve yet another loss, mm-hmm. you know, of, I, you know, my son is not going to be this individual with Down syndrome. that's going to maybe be able to go to college, you know, he's, he's, and so, uh, you know, I really took about a couple of months where I just sat in that and, mm-hmm. and watched old, old videos to see what did I miss? And well, we had that IEP meal meeting and we rolled up our sleeves and go, let's get to work. Let's see, let's get some supports in place. This is more than we can handle. And, yeah. and that's when we turn, turn the corner. Oh, that's fantastic. And I kind of feel the same way, you know, with Ainsley that, uh, you know, once we got some good people in place, like I did, you know, I, it was a struggle to find somebody like a behavioral consultant who had experience with both of the diagnosis. Many did not have the experience with, uh, with, down syndrome and autism most of them were just autism only and um and then here's Ainsley coming in so we're gonna get some background there (laughs) it's okay that's just the way it is when we're recording at home so (laughs) thanks Ainsley so can you talk a little bit about what a new course is about like it's a it's a very personal journey and but I think it's a journey that many of us parents with the dual diagnosis can relate to Absolutely. Starts uh, a new course starts right at birth, so you're going to go through mm-hmm. a lot of the milestones that are delayed for our our, our kids that have Down syndrome. Um, Nick didn't walk till he was three and a half. 
Yeah, ANC was a late walker and, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and everything else except puberty. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> I know. Oh, oh. And it, so we take you on the, the, you know, the journey of all those developmental milestones, but also just the emotions of a, of a parent wondering, am I doing enough? Should mm-hmm. I be doing more therapy? Uh, trying to find a balance in your family, trying to still be yourself as, you know, me being a fitness professional and whatnot and just really the whole ups and downs and pain points that we went through just dealing with that dual diagnosis so yeah yeah and I've been really enjoying reading the book and I like that at the end of each chapter you had a three two one sort of like synopsis you know the three lessons learned two takeaways to use in the future and um one question or concern, you know, and because I think it gives people some good, you know, guidelines and, and some, you know, kind of makes you think like, okay, so it gives people some questions that they can ask. So other than other parents who have a child, obviously with a dual diagnosis, who would you like to read this book? Yeah, well, you know, the three, two, one, I think it's symbolic, by the way, mm-hmm. trisomy tw- 21. Yeah. And uh, I used to uh, work with a local university professor who taught a class for future teachers and I would come in and do a parent perspective lecture. So he kind of put his eyes on the book and he used to be the director of a uh, special ed for one of the counties nearby also. And he was telling me, you should do a three, two, one. Cause that's what he, he has his students do after each lecture, you know, three things that you learned. And uh, so I thought that's kind of neat. And then I went, three, two, one, wait, try some 21. I like that. So yeah. oh, that's, that's a little great. backstory on that. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. And how did you feel? Oh, I didn't answer. Oh, well, sorry, yes. Answer sorry. Question. Yeah. Who would you like to, I mean, obviously parents with kids with Down syndrome and specifically the dual diagnosis, but who, mm-hmm. who did you also target this book to, or who would you like to read this book? Yes. Educators, for sure. In fact, mm-hmm. I've, I'm already getting some good reviews from um, educators, special Fantastic. education teachers yeah. that are saying, wow, you know, I'm going to share this. Medical professionals, you were alluding to earlier how your experience with getting that diagnosis and the medical professionals, I think that they would also benefit, you mm-hmm. know, and extended family members so they get a better handle on what we are dealing with as families. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I would love to see this in the hands of all the Down syndrome support groups across the country because mm-hmm. I don't think they're doing enough to address the extended needs that we have when they have these events. I mean, I personally would got to a point where I just stopped going to, like, the Santa parties and the fashion uh-huh. show because I didn't feel like we, you know, it, it, was, it was hard. It was hard mm-hmm. for me to see yeah. how mm-hmm. different Nick was. And, you know, I think I think – the Down syndrome support groups could do a better job. And I don't think they may even realize how many people they are losing because of that reason. Yes. Because like you said, like it's, well, and as Dr. Fawcett said, like it's only been pretty recent that they even acknowledge that you could have both of the diagnoses. You know, some people just assume it's just Down syndrome, but you know, and as Angelie's getting older, I do see, more of the autism traits, you know, that are more associated to the, with the dual diagnosis that, that it's not just Down syndrome. So yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying where, you know, I haven't felt that yet. And I, I hope it doesn't happen, but where 
you don't didn't feel included and I do read that a lot that a lot of parents with the kids with the dual diagnosis don't feel included and I don't think it's necessarily the fault of the the groups because I think it's just lack of knowledge which you know your book can you know inform people because you know knowledge is power and if people just learn like it's even in our own community that you know we still need to embrace each other there's going to be some other differences but you know some of our kids are just going to look a little different or act a little different and and I personally have not felt that yet and I hope I don't but I don't know right just have to sort of wait because Ainsley's still young she's just seven and a half so you know when you were Nick was older when you got that diagnosis and and like you said, going into pu- puberty and then you're dealing with that. So yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, it must have been um, really difficult. I can't even imagine. And so as you're writing a new course, like, was it kind of freeing? Like, did you feel or like, was it cathartic to to write it? I mean, obviously, you journal a lot. And as you share many of your journal entries in the book, like, how was it? How did you feel as you were writing it? It cathartic would be the word. Absolutely. It, it gave me a sense of peace when I finished the whole story mm-hmm. that, and that that's very liberating as a, as a mom, you know, we're again, riddled with guilt. I'm not doing enough. You know, I'm not, I've got, I've got other kids, this and that, but then to just sort of put the whole story together and, and, you know, let the little baby bird fly, uh, this week. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it has been very free freeing and cathartic, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So was the book a long time in the making? Like how long did it take it like how long did it take to write it? It took ten years. <laughs> <laughs> ten long years. I I started writing uh taking writing classes uh, mm-hmm. through uh, writers on the net. I just started submitting stories and those stories became chapters and then just kind of evolved into this book that, you know, is out there and hope, you know, it hopefully it's going to help a lot of families. I think it's going to help a lot of people realize that they need to be on top of things and but also that there's so much potential that our kids have even with a dual diagnosis. Yes, I think it will really resonate with other families. So, and I know you said you started like taking some writing classes and stuff, but was there a specific like catalyst or did something happen that made you want to start this journey into writing the book? Or was it just that you kind of were always a writer, like submitting the stories and you journaled a lot? Or what made you one day go, okay, I'm going to write a book? Or did it just evolve into <laughs> into a book? <laughs> well, it was a one very, very lonely night after we had a, what I refer to and many of us in the dual diagnosis support groups refer to as a code brown incident. Oh, gosh. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, the story goes, I we used, I used to teach uh, religious ed classes out of my, our house, our homes, yeah. and my older, for my older son. And yeah, I just put Nick upstairs with a, a video and thought he'd be fine. And then it wasn't fine. And um, there, it was a, a, a poop disaster. I'm not sure how else to, a poop casso, if you will. So, it's okay. I, I, read uh, the, I read that story and I, I, I mean, I've never quite had it that bad, but um, I could feel, I could feel your pain. 
and I, I'm not the only family. I, you know, here in Chicago with our dual diagnosis groups, I think everybody has a a code brown story. Everybody has a haircut story. Mm-hmm. A some, there have been some that have some elopement stories and just kind of like yikes, you know, yep. <laughs> little things. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to write our story and, uh, you know, just get it out there. Yeah. Unf- unfiltered. Unfiltered. Well, <laughs> and I think that's awesome because parents need to see what it's, you know, they need that unfiltered view, right? They need to see what the reality is you don't want to scare parents but like again I think knowledge is power if you can just sort of understand or you know you know you have expectations of what could happen you know and you know that there's other parents who've gone through it as well like you're not alone really because I'm and I'm sure like because you said that you have some dual diagnosis groups in your area or here in Chicago we have uh fortunately we have a group that um meets twice a year Mm -hmm. we used to have a a full retreat in the book you'll read about the full retreat where we have which i think is a utopia for for dual diagnosis families because the kids uh have their own respite worker there's swimming music program Mm -hmm. whatnot and then parents are able to get together and just commiserate share stories share what's working what's helping what's you know what can we do to help you Mm-hmm. And have spe- speakers and topics on you know a variety of things like um, using video modeling to teach a new skill, mm-hmm. um, bringing in doctors that can talk about meds that might help and been you know disadvantages, advantages, whatnot. Just a variety of topics over the years, and that was a really great way for us to feel like, wow, this is this is a community of souls that get it, that yeah. get that is more than Down syndrome. Yeah. So do they still do the retreat at all? Or it sounds like they don't do it anymore? Or? It, 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 it is scaled down quite mm-hmm. a bit. You know, I, I think it's probably for, for whatever reasons, um, unfortunately, but we still do get together. And, and now it's nice that you've got some Facebook groups that, that can, where you do feel safe to share anything and yeah. brainstorm with each other. And I'm constantly doing consulting with uh, families across the country and just helping out brainstorming you know whether it's IEPs or uh, modifications in the classroom just all types of things um, just coming together and and saying you know what can we do to support your child better so they can be the best version of themselves I love that the best version of them you know that's awesome so whether is you're writing your your book a new course a, was there parts of it that you found emotionally difficult to write about? Like sometimes it's hard when you feel like you're just bearing your soul, <laughs> which I did feel That's... like in parts of it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, a, I think a good writer can take you to a place where you feel like you're right there and, and kind of get at you a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and certainly that, that I'm not going to lie. That was my goal to, to really take you into this story. And you can probably guess that the puberty er- uh, period was really uh, that I put that chapter off. Um, I think of that movie, uh, P- you know, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so so he's going in 
and rescuing all those animals in the pet shop, but he keeps looking at the snakes. He's like, Ugh, I don't <laughs> want to rescue the snakes. That that chapter, chapter, I think it's 10 major swells, that was my snakes. I kept putting it off, putting it <laughs> off. But when I finally wrote it, because it was highly personal and it mm-hmm. was, you know, it's hard to admit, you know, I don't feel like I have control over my child here. He's, mm-hmm. you know, having these meltdowns. But once I wrote it, I, I have to say that's probably one of my favorite chapters besides they're all, I mean, they're all, they all are, but of course, that yeah. one, that one really, really uh, came out even better than I thought it would, oh. even though it's hard to read. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And on the flip side of that, so were there parts of the book that gave you a sense of feeling like of joy or happiness? Absolutely. I mean, every, every parent that has a child with Down syndrome or any other developmental intellectual disability mm-hmm. will tell you when, when they hit those milestones and they will hit them in their own time, it's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. the part, the part where Nick's finally walking in and he's at the, the, the Texas speech and language convention, yeah. probably three, 300 therapist there opens the door he's walking and sunglasses like a rock star and everybody's <laughs> on their feet it was fabulous <laughs> I mean just all those are wonderful um just getting him 100% toilet trained I mean I think that's one of my greatest accomplishments of my life <laughs> I hear you it's no no easy task <laughs> no I know I know I had to bring somebody Katie who we've had on twice actually uh to do it and uh yeah and I know like just and you probably know too, just from on the various forums, like that's probably the biggest milestone that parents want to achieve. And, you know, it's hallelujah when it's there. I know the walking was a, for me, that was a really difficult one because she was also a late walker like Nick, but she was just over four. And that was tough. You know, mentally it was, that was very, very tough. But, um, but yeah, the potty training, I they're probably equivalent, I think, but the potty training in some ways is harder, but yeah, I, I, I hear, hear you. <laughs> I, I highly recommend your your listeners if they haven't listened to that podcast to do so. I did yesterday, and that's pretty much the way that our uh, BCBA uh, behaviors worked with us to do. Well, I she taught she told me what to do, and I I would say the key is that you as a parent have to be consistent and committed. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, I know. I keep reading parents. Well, we just put him on for a few minutes. I go, no, he just, and as Katie, I think she even says it in one of the podcasts. It's like tipping your toe in the ocean. There's no point. You got to be all in and 100% committed. And it is tough, but it's not forever. You just, you got to, especially right now, you know, if you're not working or if you're at home, people have a bit more time. And I have read that some parents are trying to do it um, because they do have the more time, but you're, yeah. And, and Katie, yeah, she's fantastic. So, but um, we're here to talk about your book. <laughs> they can go and listen to the podcast so, on the toilet training. So um, yeah. And like when I know we were just talking about like the retreat that your um, group had in Chicago I, you know, it would be fantastic if they were to have it again, because I think there would be a lot of parents that would want to go. I know I would want to go. Um, you're probably, are you familiar with the DSDN, the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network? I am, yes. Okay. I know Nick's older, so it, it's kind of geared for, to parents with children really from zero to three, but then you know, then they're, they go, they get older. So, you know, and there's a lot of subgroups and there is a subgroup on there for the dual diagnosis. And I know um, and the DSDN does a yearly retreat in September. And 
I know many of the moms in the dual diagnosis group say they do feel like they've expressed that they've wanted to have their own meetup and at the retreat because they feel so isolated and alone and often feel like they don't fit in the Down syndrome world or even the autism world. Like, did you ever feel this way? Like you didn't really fit in either world? A hundred percent. And there's so many families that say the same thing that you, you don't fit in mm-hmm. the either world. And, and so that's if you can create these subcultures, these subgroups, if you will. So parents have a safe place where they can commiserate and say, what's again, what's working, what's not working, what, you know, what can I do? How can I help you? How can we help each other? I mean, that's really, I mean, that's my whole mission for this book is to Mm -hmm. make, make this path smoother, make it, make it easier than, and, you know, just make the, make those seas calm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I liked your theme throughout the book about the sailing. So definitely. So what kind of tips or advice do you have for others that are on this journey of the dual diagnosis? I mean, you're way ahead of me on this because Nick's so much older than Ainsley. So, you know, all us, you know, moms with younger kids, we're looking at you guys with older kids and, you know, and like you with Nick with the dual diagnosis, because like I said, there isn't really a lot out there. So, but what kind of advice or tips could you give us? (laughs) Sure main thing you you cannot do it alone you may think you can and I thought I could I thought I had it all together but you there, there's no way seek when you get stuck find the professionals that can help you and that's what I would do every time I'm like okay the toileting mm-hmm. find the toileting guru yeah. <laughs> and like and you did the same thing mm-hmm. applaud you for, for doing that early you know thank you uh, and really just the big, I keep going back to the big three, but addressing the speech and communication, giving that voice, mm-hmm. addressing the behavior component. What target behaviors do you want to work on? Um, is it independent living skills, something that, you know, it, it could be a variety of things, whatever, and wherever your stage you're at, it will probably change. Of course. And then, and, and again, that, that sensory component, uh, allowing them to, because there is that need to, keep regulated keep the brain regulated and to honor and respect that and 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 get a sensory diet going to and especially you know gosh the last few weeks I've been giving it more heavy work activities well okay they're chores but and that's and that's independent living skills right Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. so you know he's vacuuming he loves to vacuum we may not need to vacuum, but let's vacuum just to have, you know, get that organizing the mind, mm-hmm. um, doing, you know, taking the laundry up and down the stairs and just, just giving him some heavy work to, and that's a, that kind of gives his sensory and regulation system, a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. And so after, so Nick was 11 and then going through the dreaded puberty when you got the diagnosis. So once you got like I guess your team in place, because that's what I had to do for Ainsley. And and I'm sure it probably varies from, you know, here province to province and probably state to state. But did you notice um, an improvement, I guess, with Nick once you got those in place? 100%. Getting him to have a voice mm-hmm. and, and, respect, and respecting that with using the pictures. And now, of course, he's using an AAC device as mm-hmm. well, an uh, augmentative uh, device. And and, and again, respecting that he, he needs, you know, to be heard. I think that's huge. And 
finding the triggers in the environment, you know, especially during puberty, mm-hmm. we were realizing, okay, and it's written in there. It's like, don't say no, like no to Nick. <laughs> yeah. There's other ways. There, there are many other ways you can say no. Yeah. All done. <laughs> Get your Siri voice going. All done. Yeah. <laughs> Three, two, one, and he'll count down with me now. And just <laughs> so you're you're cut in essence cutting things off at the past before they escalate into something like a meltdown. Yeah. And just being real really hyper aware of your environment. So that's just a, cu- a couple of little tidbits. Yeah. Know. Oh, that no, I think that's right. You did sort of mention like a sensory diet. Can you sort of elaborate what that is? I've never actually heard, I think I know what it is, but I've never actually heard the term. So I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate a little bit. Because I think for people who, I think even all kids with Down syndrome probably could benefit from that a bit. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, Um, I'm trying to think. uh, Some of the, I think it's just incorporating some, some activities and maybe even some tangible objects that, can help regulate, you know, that sensory system. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're, sometimes it's a milly afternoon and you're, let's say you're in a meeting, you're trying to, you're kind of moving up and down, shaking your leg, like trying to keep alert yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you need alerting activities. Sometimes it's like too much. Right. Like around dinner time and things are going and, you know, husband's trying to talk to me this and that and how was your day and Nick's getting ignored so he starts throwing stuff it's like oh you know yeah so maybe maybe we need something that's more calming you know so sometimes I'll just put I'll tell Alexa to put on a you know some of his favorite songs that you know just to kind of let him know that we're respecting and sure. pay- oh she just heard me <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> what, what's even funnier that's my publisher's name so oh that's so <laughs> <Okay>. funny <laughs> I was wondering who that was. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes, I, I totally hear you. We have a little, um, for Ainsley, like, um, we call it the egg chair. It wasn't very expensive from Ikea. It's, it spins, and you can close it. I mean, she doesn't really like it closed very often, but she loves to get spinned. And, you know, we use that also as a reward system. You know, when she's working with her BI, her behavioral interventionist, she uses that a lot. Um, the iPad is also a big reward too, but you know, especially right now, I would rather her have less time on the iPad, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's, 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 those are good tips, you know, that, um, to have those things, you know, that can regulate. And I like that word regulate our kids, you know, just to prevent the meltdowns or the behavioral issues. Like you, you want to prevent those. So yeah, that's a, an awesome tip. Um, how, like, how would you say like a new course is different from other books talking about Down syndrome and even the dual diagnosis? Uh, a new course, it starts again at birth and I'm going to take you all the way to 21 right before Nick ages out of school and you get to see him in different school environments, mm-hmm. inclusion, inclusion incl- as well, which can work by the way for dual diagnosis. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but also, but also, it, you know, I, I I offer you the not only the three two ones, but also at the end, uh, what I my version of an appendix, which is the final lessons that I'd learned, you know, behind the helm here, and you name it, it's in there. IEPs, mm-hmm. ther- therapies, uh, vacationing. You know, we've gone overseas several times, mm-hmm. 
and he was not potty trained and, and it can be done just to read the books. Yeah. Yes. I saw that. I go good for you. Cause you know, that's, that's part of my dreams for Ainsley is to do some traveling. So yes. I, yeah. And I think it's good for parents to see that they can do all those things, you know, that, you know, as I'm sure probably when Nick was first born, like, you know, when I, I had a prenatal diagnosis with Ainsley, it kind of felt like all my dreams had died that I had for my baby. And, and I realized there, I still have all those dreams. They just might look a little bit different, or you might have to do them a little bit differently, but you can still do all those things. Like you're traveling with Nick, you guys did lots of trips with him and your whole family. I think that's fantastic. And I think people don't, they need to not be scared just to still go out there and just do it. You know, some, sometimes you just Abs- need a little push, right? A- absolutely. You know, I think it, it, if I could give some really, you know, some sound advice for young families, mm-hmm. just don't, you can't lose yourself. You've got to do, keep doing those things that feed your soul and figure out a way to, to work it out. I think, and I forgot to mention this besides the big three, another golden ticket reason to get that golden ticket for the diagnosis and you can get um, additional funding often for respite care so that you still can go out and you know out my husband can play around a golf and I can go out to lunch with my girlfriends or you know just get away here and there and that's that really saves saves the family life and, I, and gives you a sense of balance yes I agree it's a little the model's a little bit different here um with autism in British Columbia, it doesn't, as far as I know, it doesn't offer the respite, but there are different ways you can get respite here. But yes, I do, which I do have not, obviously not right now during the current situation, but yes, it does. You're right. It does make a huge difference. Like you said, not to lose yourself. You need to still feed your soul and find things that bring you joy and bring you happiness. Cause sometimes it can be really overwhelming when you're dealing with all these you know, the different diagnoses and you're dealing with a zillion different therapies and people and teachers and IEPs and, and all that. So yes, I agree 100% about that. So what do you want people to take away from your book? Well, let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they take away that. Yes. I think, you know, life is not, unicorns and rainbows for any of us Mm -hmm. we all we all all have our storms we're all on our own vessel and some days the seas are calm some days the 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 waves are lapping up and you feel like you're going to drown and Mm -hmm. um but i think with every storm the sun always does come out Mm -hmm. and and yes a new course has those storms but i also feel like you know i'm I every time we go through something and our current situation included, I'm learning things and I'm getting stronger and we're figuring this out. I mean, it's it's incredible, you know how strong you you you, you can find yourself yeah. when you, you know, are faced with whatever challenge it is in life in general. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree on that. You're right. Yes, exactly. And can you share with us something that you're proud of of Nick for? <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> I know you can't. Well, it's hard to just pick one. But you know, sure, a few, whatever. 
I, I know, I know for a fact that Nick has touched more lives than we probably will ever know. Mm -hmm. And I, that makes me very proud. It also, I'm super proud of his work ethic. He is a taskmaster. He knows where things goes. And, you know, I mentioned about, um, leading with the child's strength. So like in an IEP, when you look at, you're looking at your goals, you're, you want to promote further education, employment, and independent living. And so Nick's strengths has always been matching and knowing where things go. So a lot of the jobs he's had over the years are, are leading and still are leading with those strengths. So mm -hmm. it makes me proud that he's, he's eager to please and work that way. And I, I just think he has a great wicked sense of humor and <laughs> he makes me laugh every day. And <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm just proud that he's, he's, you know, like I said, the best version of himself and, uh, and uh, he's a barrel of monkeys, I'll just say. He, he's sorry, he's a what? <laughs> a barrel of monkeys. A barrel of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Ainsley is at times too. I have to agree on that. <laughs> I, I'm always calling her a, a crazy little monkey. So, you know, oh, this is, I've really enjoyed talking to you and talking about your book. And is there anything else you would like to share about your book with our listeners today? I hope as we mentioned early that it's i hope that families will will get a lot of takeaways from it i mm -hmm. hope educators will will get a parent's perspective better as well as you know medical professionals and down center support groups kind of rise to the occasion and and just say you know there are a lot of things that we can do to put in place to to help our kids with a dual diagnosis you know visuals are are, are key mm -hmm. and just getting the right help and support is 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 how you can really make our kids soar and uh mm -hmm. and make us proud in the process oh yeah that's fantastic I love that and so where can people get your book and also you said you earlier in the podcast you mentioned about you do some consulting so if people have any questions or you know need some help you know they can get your book and but where can they contact you or where can they find you Absolutely. I, uh, the book, uh, A New Course, A Mother's Journey, Navigating Down Syndrome and Autism by Teresa Unterstall mm -hmm. is available at in Amazon. Okay. Like everything My else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. Thank goodness for Amazon right now. Right. Uh, right. I know. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, every Monday for since 2012, I've been writing a weekly blog that it's all about navigating Down Syndrome and Autism dual diagnosis. And uh, that the website is www.mynameteresa.com. That will hook you up to the blog link. They're all on there. Uh, our social media, which is Facebook and Instagram, we're at Down Syndrome with a slice of autism. Okay. <laughs> I've seen those. I've seen it. Yep. That's fantastic. And, but yeah. Also, don't you, you can't have... miss it. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, you can't miss it because uh, in, on the Facebook, you'll see the fire alarm pop up, which is a whole nother speaking of <laughs> funny parts of the book. Oh, yes. Easily, she's tall enough. I'm just dreading. I keep seeing her trying to get it in my building. I'm going, oh, man, it's coming. Yeah, because and also your blog is uh, but you said there's a link on your website, but it's also nickspecialneeds.com. Correct. Yes, correct. So. Okay, that's fantastic. So we can find you on Amazon and several places. So, oh, so that's so fantastic. And if people have any questions, they can, you'll be easy to find in that, in that way. So absolutely. 
Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story and your journey about your book. And I think that's an awesome accomplishment to, because is this your, I meant to ask you, is this your first book? My first book. Yes. Do you think there'll be another? Ooh. <laughs> I figured I'll ride this little wave uh, and enjoy it for a bit. And the then, wind in my back. Yeah. <laughs> but you never know. You never know. Yeah. No. Fantastic. I know it's a, it's a, a big task to take on, but I think, yeah, it's been a real pleasure reading the book and a, a real pleasure chatting with you today about your book and about Nick. And thank you so much for sharing your, you know, really personal stories in in your book and your journey for other parents like myself who you know because I'm still somewhat new to this sort of secondary journey I guess you could call it or this dual diagnosis and like you said it's it's been challenging finding that information and so I'm glad that there's other parents like you out there you know paving the way because I'm you know so grateful for all the parents that have gone ahead of me you know in this journey you know that are making things easier for our kids today. My pleasure. And as I mentioned earlier, that's my mission just to, to make, make, take what I've learned and, 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 and help others and make, make it, make it a wonderful journey and the best, best that they, you can do, you know, given a dual diagnosis, which is not easy. <laughs> yes, you're right. It's not easy, but we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> thank you so much, <laughs> Teresa. I appreciate it. And thank you for all your wonderful podcasts. I've, I've been enjoying them so much and, and uh, appreciate all the work you do. Oh, thank you. So what were your takeaways from your conversation with Teresa? Well, I think, you know, none of us want a dual diagnosis, let's be honest, but, you know, not to be afraid of it. If you think there is even a remote possibility, because I know I was in a bit of denial and, you know, questioning other people, other professionals, do you think Kingsley has autism? You know, so if you think there is a possibility, there's no harm in getting your child assessed. And then, because then you know, and then if they do have the secondary diagnosis of autism, you can get the right people in place and get them the right therapies that they can use and need to thrive and, and be successful. And I think also once you get that diagnosis, make sure you find your your people, your tribe, your community, because they're the ones who are going to support you. They are going to know what it's like uh, day in and day out, what you're dealing with. And, you know, also try to get a good team in place. It was really challenging for me personally to find people who had experience with a dual diagnosis. I think I sent out for the consultants, I sent out an email to every single consultant. I think it was about 110 and, you know, half didn't even respond. And there was, and then I talked to several and then someone actually recommended the woman I have for Ainsley and it's worked out really well. So, and, you know, and Teresa talks about that, like, you know, have a good team in place, you know, and she talked about how she had, you know, she talked about like, how did I miss it? You know, and sometimes you're just so in it that sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees and it took someone else to sort of point it out to her and you know Nick was a little bit older 11 so you know there's probably some years there that he could have really benefited from some other therapies but you know he's doing awesome now and you know and you know I think it's just getting 
that team in place and getting things going. Okay. Well, we are in a bit of a, a funk for next week because we're still working on putting the show together. So there may not be one, but we'll try. <laughs> okay. But we always try. Yes, we always try. So yes, definitely. It's not like we're not, we're not coming back, but um, just with... We're, we're always trying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's been challenging because I'm working and, you know, and then we're doing this from home. So I've had to learn how to do all this setup and it's crazy. And you're doing very well at it, I will say. <laughs> Thank you. As a, as, a profession, as a professional technologist, I will say you're doing very well. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. I'm pretty proud of myself, actually. So, but yes, well we'll, thank you. And yeah, we'll continue to bring our stories and, and things to our listeners. And if we miss a week, you know, I'll put a little post on the Facebook page that, uh, you know, we'll resume the following week. We're going to try just we're working a few details out, but fingers crossed. Okay. We'll look forward to another conversation next week. Probably. Probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't you take us on out? Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line at our email at info at t21mom.com or find me on Facebook and also, also at t21mom or on Instagram and Twitter at trisomy21mama. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can be more searchable for others. And just tell me your stories. What's going on in your life? How are you dealing with this whole pandemic? How are you finding things being at home? Just let me know. I would love to hear from you. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos. And we will see you next time. Take care, Mary. Bye, Ron. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, with cookies. With cookies, always with cookies.